Hey, it's me, the winter. I am in full force. You're putting on heavier jackets. You're adding more layers. And maybe you're looking for some different way to fight off my cold weatherness. Well, here's something that scientists haven't proven, but you could give it a shot. Maybe you could warm yourself from within, which would then keep you warm without beyond. You could listen to an episode of this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just a few quick announcements. Hello, it has been a little bit. I'm excited for you all to listen to this episode from a leaky con in the past. But beyond this episode, let's talk just a little bit of Potterless update type stuff. First and foremost, if you live in Texas or Florida or Colorado, perk up those ears because I've got live shows in all of those cities. We've got shows that are half Potterless, half the New Olympian, my Percy Jackson podcast. December 15th in Austin, December 17th in San Antonio, February 8th in Gainesville, February 9th in Tampa, February 10th in Orlando, and February 18th in Denver. I also have live shows in Dallas on December 13th, in Houston on December 19th, and in Phoenix on February 20th, but those are just for the New Olympian, my Percy Jackson podcast, which is a very good podcast that I think you should check out. But if you want to get tickets to all of these shows, you can go to potterlesspodcast.com slash live. And as I always like to remind folks, if you want to get access to all of the Potterless Patreon stuff that has ever been posted, you can go to patreon.com slash Potterless. It has been rebranded for the New Olympian, but there is still a tier called, oh, I just want the Potterless stuff. And for four bucks a month, you get access to all the Potterless stuff. You could even just join and then leave within the same month. Four bucks, you get access to everything we posted for five years. Bonus episodes, director's commentary, video stuff, live streams. There were all sorts of fun things posted to the Patreon and you can get access to them for just four bucks at patreon.com slash Potterless. Also, Potterless does have new sponsors that come along even if the show doesn't post super regularly. We do have one, Bombas, which I will talk about in the mid-roll break, but if you're looking to gift some socks this holiday season, you can get a sweet deal with our Bombas code. So uh, listen to that in the middle of the episode. But just a little preview, you can get 20% off your first purchase if you go to bombas.com slash Potterless. Now let's get into what you're hearing in this episode. This is audio from LeakyCon 2022 in Orlando. This is a Potterless live show where I was joined by Chris Rankin, who played Percy Weasley in the movies, and Chanel Williams, who does wonderful TikTok and Instagram and other content, most famously and most relevant to this. She does incredible Maggie Smith McGonagall impressions and cosplay and all sorts of things like that. We did a fun swap situation where we went through various iterations of what if McGonagall was in place of scenes where Percy Weasley was, and vice versa. We got through the first four books of stuff. It was fun and goofy and performed at the main stage at LeakyCon, and it was an absolute blast. So without further ado, let's get into this very special episode of Potterless, where we place swap, life swap, something swap, Percy Weasley and Minerva McGonagall with special guests Chris Rankin and Chanel Williams. So good to see all of your faces, at least the outlines of them. How's it going, everybody? Having a good Friday? Sweet! Okay, uh, just to make sure I get a sense of the audience, who has heard of Potterless, the podcast that I host and make and everything? Cool, great, love that. Who here has no idea who I am, but they were like, this sounded like fun. All 
right. <laughs> Shout out to all of you. Uh, just for context, Potterless is a podcast that I made for five years or so. I had never read the Harry Potter books before. I started as an adult, read through them, and now I'm an expert and I can talk on stage at LeakyCon. Uh, so we've done a whole bunch of fun things. I went through all the books, I went through all the movies, all that good stuff. But now we're getting into some more interesting sort of content for the show. Some fun what ifs, potential questions to ask. So this is very based on my two guests today. The actor who played Percy Weasley, and then also the woman who does the greatest McGonagall impressions of all time. So please welcome to the stage Chris Rankin and Shan Williams. Hello! Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, falling on my dress. <laughs> ah, how's it going, folks? All good. Yeah, Lovely I've been doing jumping. karaoke, so I'm great. I'm <laughs> just riding that high. So what I've put together today is a little presentation. We're going to play fun hypothetical questions based on the two folks that you love to portray. Now, I have gone through very legal copies of the book that I have on PDF here on my computer using this cool thing called Control-F, and I have found every instance where Percy did something in the series and every instance where McGonagall did something in the series and what we're going to be doing is playing the what if of, what if the roles were reversed? <laughs> so we're going to look at everything that Percy did and then say, huh, what if McGonagall was there? And then everything McGonagall did and said, huh, what if the Percy Weasley was there instead? <laughs> and we'll just chat it out, see how it is, yeah. go through and have a fun little time, see as many as we can get through in an hour. <laughs> it sounds like a riot. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll go uh, in, in Percy, then McGonagall order. Um, so we're going to look at all the Percy things in book one, and then discuss how McGonagall would have acted in these situations. First thing Percy does in book one, he goes to platform nine and three quarters with the Weasley family. How would it be if McGonagall was along the ride for the Weasleys, just <laughs> running through a pretend brick wall? <laughs> well, uh, well, I feel like Minerva's pretty well versed at platform nine and three quarters. I know, but Minerva McGonagall in Muggle clothing—that's yeah. the, that's the bit. Yeah, what would she rock besides her big flowing on you know, on the on the weekend? What does McGonagall wear? <laughs> well, do you know, I was actually going to make a TikTok of this because <laughs> I remember reading—I think it's the fifth book—the way that Harry reacts to McGonagall in Muggle clothes. You would have thought she was wearing like a hoodie. She's got like I don't know mini skirt on or something. He's so shocked, but I'm pretty sure she'd just be wearing slacks and a turtleneck. Like <laughs> I feel like it's basically the same outfit just without the shoulder pads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or would she go through as a cat? Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> she would be rocking her signature tight bun because as, as I learned, because I've read the books exactly once for, for the podcast, and when I do prep things, I pick up on things I didn't notice when I was taking notes and all. For the first couple of books, every time they describe McGonagall, it's like, McGonagall and her signature tight bun. <laughs> like, okay, cool. So, yeah, I could see turtleneck type of McGonagall just going through, walking through, no problem, having a good old time at Platform 93 Quarters. The next thing that Percy does, though, is he proudly leads all the students through the, the first year sorting hat ceremony situation as the prefect. McGonagall kind of fits into that role, but if totally. she... <laughs> I, I feel like that actually happened in the film, didn't yeah. it? She leads them yeah. in in the film, so... Yeah. Already doing your job for you, so... <laughs> <laughs> 
Another one that I think she would fit in pretty well into, Percy Weasley does lead everyone away from the troll when the troll is in the school. A brave yeah. moment from Percy. Yes. And, and it is described in the book, Percy was in his element. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's you know, the I can't, direct honestly, quote. honestly can't remember the last time I read the book. <laughs> no, it, yeah, he would be in his element because it's, it's bossing people about. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. not necessarily brave about it, I don't think. It's just like, this is what he's got to do. This is my job. I yes. get to do my job. Yeah. And uh, just, just to clarify, how old is Percy at this point? 16. He's, I feel like it's a pretty big responsibility. Yeah. Like I know that we're teachers and we're supposed to take care of these kids, but you, 16-year-old, you're responsible yeah. for all these children. Yeah, totally. Yeah, The, 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 the responsibilities shed out on 16-year-olds is... <laughs> Uh, mm, questionable. It's almost like Hogwarts is poorly run. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> You'd never think it. I do think sometimes just, you know, Hermione really didn't need to nearly die. They could have just announced on the tannoy that there was a troll, so maybe they should, you know, because they have one. Yeah. They have a tannoy. Just tell everyone. <laughs> Now nah, we need Coral running through, <laughs> screaming, and then everybody scattering. But yeah, if McGonagall was to lead the kids away, I feel like she would be able to handle it. This is a role she would fit in quite well. Now here's one that I think is a lot more interesting. Over Christmas, Percy gets a Weasley sweater, but he doesn't want to wear it. If Molly Weasley made a custom Weasley sweater for Minerva, I feel like she would love it, right? <laughs> I feel like that's so sweet because most of her family are so. Yeah. Very tragic life she's had, so for those of you who have read the backstory, um, <laughs> I feel like it wouldn't go with her sit. She's very, I don't know, does she, does she take custom orders? Or, mm, I don't know, I'm not sure. I think McGonagall would rock like a nice woolly jumper as well. She'd love it. Absolutely. But fair she, aisle. She does her, uh, she does knitting and, uh, I was about to call it cross-hatching. Crochet. Yeah, she, she does all of that, so I feel like she'd low-key judge it, but she'd love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like she would have to like have the internal monologue of like, ugh, the shoulders aren't properly made. She ugh. missed a stitch right there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's one of those. <laughs> I was surprised reading back how anti the sweater Percy is. Like, I think Fred and George have to like restrain him in order to like put the sweater over him. Yeah, He's like I, very anti-sweater. He, he can be quite an odd child. <laughs> Which says explains an awful lot about him. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Yeah, I like, mean, I don't know. I guess at this point, he just doesn't want to be part of the like the fold, does he? I, think. I don't want to be associated yeah. with this lot. Yeah. <laughs> These people who do jokes and bits. Uh, <laughs> I want to study cauldron thickness. So, and why not? <laughs> A perfectly normal thing to do. <laughs> Now, the final thing that Percy does of note in book one is, and I gotta say, I was surprised reading this. I forgot about this. He is proud of Ron for beating McGonagall's wizard's chess challenge at the end of the book, and he brags about it to his friends, more surprising than Percy bragging about Ron. Percy it's has friends! friends. <laughs> like, <laughs> who? Astonishing! <laughs> who are these people? Are like, Penelope Clearwater people? <laughs> I mean, apart from Oliver Wood, maybe, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Because you, you've also talked about this in the past, that you, don't you actually feel like you, that Percy would be better suited in a different house, even like Slytherin pre... He's yeah, he's, he's very much a Slytherin. What makes you think that? I'm, I'm intrigued. Um, you are the resident expert on Percy, so I defer to you. <laughs> well, everything he does up until the last book, I think, is Slytherin-based. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's all ambition, right? Yeah, because like he, he wants everything. to go to the ministry. At no point, really, does he stop and think about 
anybody else. It's all about, no, I've got to get this. I've got to be better. I've got to be the head boy. I've got to be the school prefect. I've got to go and work at the Ministry of Magic. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. And the, there's never anything brave about it, really, is there? No. Really? It's just, it's all about furthering himself, which is a very Slytherin thing. Okay, yeah. So... Anyway, that opens up a whole thing about is the sorting hat sentient and can it see things in the future that mm. it knows, yeah, but anyway, that's, no, that's a mean, whole other hour. That's right? something that I feel like it would be an entire hour-long thing at LeakyCon, like, does the sorting hat sort you based on what you are or what you will soon be? Like, putting Neville <laughs> yeah, into no, Gryffindor, it's yeah. a whole, yeah, that would be a whole thing. Yeah. And given my experience at LeakyCon with being on some of those panels, like, I would give something and then a 10-year-old from the crowd would, like, give a TED talk and outsmart anyone on stage, yeah. Yeah. as happened to me when I talked about portraits at a yeah. LeakyCon in the past for like 20 minutes guessing, and then some eight-year-old girl was like, actually, and then like answered every question in like 35 seconds. <laughs> so smart. So smart. So now let's switch it over, other end, McGonagall things that happen in book one. This, I think, is great. And this is what may or may not have sparked me deciding to do this for the live episode of Potterless. What would it be like if Percy Weasley went with Dumbledore to drop off Harry on Privet Drive? <laughs> <laughs> Percy would have been four. Okay. Oh, even more interesting. <laughs> Why was Dumbledore taking a four-year-old to a stranger's house in the middle of the night? Yeah, and I, also, I do feel like even at four years old, Percy would have been gassed that he's Dumbledore's favourite. Yeah. Like, <laughs> totally would. He'd be mini like, prefect already, look at me. Yeah, he's, he goes it's to fine, preschool. It's past my bedtime, but it's okay. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> he goes into preschool, well, I'm the assistant to the headmaster of Hogwarts. <laughs> Where do they go before Hogwarts, though? Do, if, like students? Yeah, what do Are they, they do? I don't, I mean, muggle people go to like regular school and then it's like, hi, you have to leave the third grade or I guess whatever, yeah. I don't know how British school works. I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. Do I. <laughs> but yeah, it, like, especially if you're of the magical family where you know, like, you're probably going to be a wizard. Like, is there some, is there, is there Hogwarts pre-K? Is there Hogwarts kindergarten? Does, does anybody have the answer to this in there? Like, we don't know. We don't know. All right. Oh. Homeschool. Home oh, well, that's putting a lot of pressure. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> well, I think that's like it's why it makes Tom Felton's reading. I didn't know you could read. It's just <laughs> it puts it into a nice like yeah because maybe his parents just didn't teach him. Yep. And you've got these kids here and it's like turn your textbooks and they're like oh no, <laughs> no one taught me to read. <laughs> I also just like thinking of Malfoy with that. It's not like it could just be a thing where Lucius and them are so fancy that it's like oh books. You mean the thing that other people read and then they tell you what happened in them? <laughs> I, I don't know. You read books yourself? I'm unfamiliar with the process. <laughs> so yeah, I mean he would be there at four. Would he be a stickler for rules at age four? Like, would he be worried that they're out in the muggle world? Obviously, he's not in cat form like McGonagall was. Certainly a different circumstance. Yeah, he'd have, start, he'd have been starting on that down that road. <laughs> because if he was four, the twins would have been like one and a half, two years old, mm -hmm. I guess. Something like that. And he would have not liked that. <laughs> he already hates <laughs> he them. He already hates them. <laughs> And I'm sure they're probably already a pains in the backside. Um, yeah, he would have been, he'd have been all over it. Like, <laughs> he, he, he would, the, the process. I think Percy's a, po a process person, so there would have been this whole thing in his head about, like, is the blanket wrapped around the baby? 
correctly. <laughs> like, is it going to be all right on the doorstep for maybe three hours if nobody finds him? I was reading a manual about swaddling, yeah. and I yeah. think you've swaddled the baby improperly, Dumbledore. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like someone should have said that, because they did just drop this kid off on a doorstep. Like, <laughs> health and safety, Percy should have been there to take a risk assessment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Terrible, yeah. So maybe, you know what? Maybe it would have been a smoother process. Maybe Harry has a better childhood if Percy's there instead. So next thing that McGonagall does in book one of note is that she runs the sorting ceremony. So how would Percy Weasley do being in charge of the sorting ceremony? It would have been a shamble. Well, no, not a shambles. That's the wrong word. But he would have absolutely freaked out if nothing had gone right. And I think with the sorting hat, anything could happen at any point in time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like, the sorting hat is a law unto itself. Mm -hmm. And Percy would not enjoy that. And especially if, it ha if it's supposed to adhere to a schedule, the sorting hat, yeah. what if he goes long on the song, he's over time? later. <laughs> yeah, like, during Harry's hat stall thing, Percy's just there. <laughs> but also, Percy, I'm pretty sure, would absolutely judge people on sight. guy. <laughs> Slytherin. <laughs> and when the sorting hat's like, no, half full path. Like, no, what? Yeah, I could see Percy like protesting decisions yeah. he doesn't agree yeah, no, with. I think like, you're Ravenclaw, wrong, actually, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so next thing, something that McGonagall does in book one, she kind of, she yells at Harry for flying when Draco bullies Neville with throwing the remember on everything, but it's actually a whole big ruse to get Harry onto the Quidditch team. Yeah. I don't know if Percy has like a hidden vested interest in Gryffindor's Quidditch. Percy is an enormous Quidditch fan. He's a big fan, but is he so much so that he would break the rules like McGonagall did, or at least break tradition? That's the question. Mm, yeah, he would. He, yeah, no rules are rules. His two <laughs> favorite things on earth: Quidditch and rules. Yeah. Ah, how do I choose? <laughs> yeah, no, he would be. He would be furious. <laughs> and would probably, he would probably, if he was in charge of the situation, I know he wouldn't have been in charge of the situation, he would, have, he would not have been happy and he would have been angry with Professor Hooch for allowing that to, Madam Hooch, for that to happen. I do feel like if Percy had been in Professor McGonagall's shoes right from book one, Harry would have been expelled and everyone would have died. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a better school design. Harry's so true. gone immediately. No danger at all. Perfectly normal school. Yeah. See, we're opening lots of different Voldemort timelines. is sitting around like, that was the plan I should have taken. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next thing is that after the troll in the bathroom situation goes down, McGonagall kind of reprimands Hermione and them for taking on the troll by herself. This, I feel like, Percy and his element. Getting to yell at people for doing the wrong thing? Oh, prime Percy hours. Full happy times, Percy. <laughs> 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 yes! <laughs> yeah, like when Percy tries to summon his Patronus, which do we ever, do we know what Percy's Patronus is? We don't even know what his wand is. <laughs> <laughs> Stunning silence from the crowd. Like when he tries to think of happy thoughts to cast a Patronus, he's like, oh, that one time I yelled at Harry for being in the hallway. Nah, I expected a Patronus. <laughs> oh, poor Percy. Oh. His, it, he must have a really pathetic Patronus. We don't know, do we? We don't know. Mm -hmm. No. Maybe it's it must like, be something really... Well, my Patronus, according to the quiz, is a shrew. And mm. it took me a while to, like, adjust to it. Because I wanted, like, a dragon or a lion. But actually, I'm, I'm, I've come to terms with the shrew Patronus. Yeah. Because the world's most powerful Patronus was a mouse, I read somewhere. So, uh, size of your... So... Did you read that in your own diary? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was my canon and my Source head canon. say! <laughs> <laughs> but, like, what... 
what animal would he have? What? Like, like what's like a magic carp is all I can imagine. <laughs> like a Pokemon that does nothing. <laughs> like a tiny little <laughs> flopping around yeah. fish. It's yeah. like, oh, a minnow. Thanks, Percy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pinching that for my roast tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. Uh, a magpie? A magpie. But it's a black and white crow. It's of the, yeah. A crow, that fits. Of the Make Corvid loud noises, family. yell at people, yeah. That is rather keen on stealing shiny things. Ah. Like Wait. prefix badges. Like prefix badges. Ah. Oh, it fits. Great, yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on to another thing that McGonagall does. She does the Quidditch commentary with Lee Jordan and has to keep Lee in line. I oh, do... yeah, again, Percy all over. Right. I feel yeah. like he would enjoy that. He would be even stricter than McGonagall, though, not yeah. letting Lee yeah. get over the crossing of the line of being mean towards people, etc. I think he would even be at borderline taking the microphone off him to try and do it better and more sensibly himself, Ooh. but not, not being good. Not being good. Play-by-play -play commentary is very difficult. Mm. Like just running out of words, like going and and that that's, um, that's Oliver Wood has got the uh, got the thing and he's um, he's um, he's flying. He's he's flying <laughs> towards the god. <laughs> It would be terrible. Some dry commentary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the final thing of note McGonagall does in book one is that she catches all of the kids out after hours and gives everybody detention. Again, this feels right in Percy. Yeah, box. classic Percy. Mm -hmm. area, yeah. Yeah. Okay, now we, now we can move on to book two. We're back to things that Percy did, imagining what McGonagall would do. First thing, uh, which does, we learn later what's going on, but we are intrigued early in book two when Percy is acting oddly, spending lots of time in his room, sending lots of owls to a mysterious unknown person. Oh. Who, spoiler alert, turns out to be Penelope Clearwater. Apologies to spoil the ending of a 900-year-old book. <laughs> but... If McGonagall was in the situation, what would be the suspicion if she had like a love interest? Who would she be writing these letters to? What mm. would she be doing if she was spending a lot of time in her room, not knowing what's going on? How are we feeling? Well, Minerva McGonagall has a few ships. Um, mm. So I think a lot of people ship her with Poppy Pomfrey. Yeah, I can it's see It's called it. Popscotch, Ooh, which is a gorgeous ship that's name. That's a good one. Um, and also Dumbledore. People ship her with Dumbledore. I remember... Not, I don't like that. A used to be a Albus Dumbledore McGonagall shipper back when I was 12. And then when we found out Dumbledore was gay, I cried. <laughs> I was like, Mom, my ship is ruined. Not, not for the bad Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I cried because my ship was ruined. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. Who would she be writing to? I feel like she's a very proud woman, so no one's going to know if she is, in fact, sending, sending little messages to mm. people. That's cute, though. I think she'd be. I think she would have some very clever wordplay. Yeah. She'd have oh. some cute little flirtatious vibes. I would trust her to write a saucy little letter. Oh, a hundred percent. I feel like she, sonnets. Yeah, like it, she Definitely does proper yeah. the alliteration on these love letters. Maybe she even like does little transfiguration things where it's like you send it and it like it's an. I don't know, a hummingbird, and then it turns into a letter. And it's like, oh, wow. Oh. oh, my God. Or like you read the letter, and then it like has a delayed thing where it then turns into like a bouquet of flowers and a box of chocolates. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I want a Valentine from McGonagall. Yeah, the possibilities Jeez. are endless. <laughs> Got skills for days. <laughs> wow. 
All right, next thing that Percy does is he catches Harry and Ron making polyjuice potion in the girls' bathroom, and he goes, what are you guys doing in the girls' bathroom? A very normal question from Percy. Very, very proud of him for wondering what is going on. And right on topic about now, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> what was the question? Well, we just, boys, were there not supposed to be? We've seen McGonagall do it in book one. She feels primed ready for it. I was going to say, Mr. Davis, Mr. Davis, that is the girls' lavatory. We literally see her do it in the film, so I feel yeah. like she's right at home with that. But they also should be asking Moni Myrtle to move on because right. she's creepy as heck. It's, like, it's very crazy, and I have been to, here in Florida, I've been to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and I get that they try to make it a truly immersive experience. Maybe don't have Moaning Myrtle in the bathrooms, though. <laughs> it's never a fun time when you're at a theme park in Orlando where it's either hot or raining or both, and you just want to get in and out of there, <laughs> and then you're trying to go, and sometimes, you know, like, no one goes well with an audience in the bathroom, and if you just got, like, high pitch, like, <laughs> while you're trying to use like it's not I don't know who like I get that thematically it makes sense but I feel like someone at Universal Studios should have been like maybe not yeah. maybe not have the 12 year old girl laughing at you while you try to poop like <laughs> feels like you could have been like all right maybe we don't do this one it's just not on, really. I think they need to call someone to <laughs> send her on her way. Yeah. Now she's helped with the Chamber of Secrets, I can... Yeah, but, yeah, I don't know. Is there, like, ghost exterminators to be like, all right, please. Yeah. <laughs> she's crying in the stalls. Can we... Bring Ghostbusters in. It's the crossover. Right, come in, get out of here. Sack baggins <laughs> and power. <laughs> so there is also, I noticed there was a common theme throughout book two because it does involve a lot of sneaking out, trying to figure out what's going on with the basilisk of Harry and Ron and Hermione, mostly Harry and Ron. Percy just throughout the books just kind of catches them doing stuff they're not supposed to do and yelling at them, which feels very on brand for Percy. Still feels like something McGonagall, you know, she also has her role of keeping people in line. So I feel like that's an easy fit. But one that I thought was very interesting, again, a good big brother moment, but not true brother because it's for Harry, when Harry gets the awkward singing Valentine Oh, yeah. Percy, like, they, people, like, make a big crowd, and they start laughing at Harry, and Percy kind of, like, clears the crowd away, which I thought was really sweet of him. I didn't remember that happening. Good job on Percy. Yeah, no, I'd totally forgotten about that. Yeah. He does have some redeeming qualities, yeah. that guy. Yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like McGonagall could do the same. Like, she's always looking out for Harry's best interest. But I also feel like in that situation, it would be so much worse for Harry. Like, if another mm. student does that... Right. But if the teacher comes rushing over, oh my God, if I was yeah. Harry, I'd die. Yeah, because <laughs> then you've already got the annoying, awkward singing Valentine. Now you've got, oh, mommy saving you. <laughs> I think it would be a worse, it'd be compounding onto the worst things. All right, now book two, what McGonagall does, weirdly, not a McGonagall-heavy book. Maybe that's why book two is the worst book by far. Not enough McGonagall. Moving on, though, to what she actually does, she confronts Harry and Ron after the flying car incident, really lays into them. I feel like Percy would have a field day Absolutely. yelling at them for stealing the flying yep. car. Could you imagine? <laughs> I mean, could you imagine Percy driving no. for a start? No. That's a terror, like proper... <laughs> <laughs> 10 to 2 on the, yeah, like mirror, mirror, mirror. Getting in the car with Percy, yeah, it would yeah. take you 35 minutes yeah. to get on the road because Percy would be like, he would be adjusting every mirror, he'd be checking the tire pressure, yeah. he would open the hood, make sure there's enough oil yeah. and power steering fluid. Yeah, he drives like a 85-year-old woman, does it? Mm -hmm. Like, he's got that kind of grandma vibe about uh -huh. him, like, I don't know how to drive. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I nearly did McGonagall then for the first 
I don't know how to drive, Mr. Weasley. I'll leave that to you. Driving, he would would be furious. And especially since it's his dad's car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And his father's now facing an inquiry at work, which is is entirely Ron's fault. So, uh, yeah, I feel like Percy has more vested interests. So yet another example of where Percy would have expelled them both already. (laughs) Had his chance in book one, had his chance in book two. Yeah, they would have like walked in for the opening ceremony. He would have been like, no, sirs, get out of here. (laughs) Goodbye. Thank you for your fun times here at Hogwarts. The final thing that really, if note McGonagall does, is that she assigns Harry and Ron detention in book two. Again, Percy's element. Yeah. yeah. Ready, happy to go, ready to, <laughs> ready to do that. So moving on to book three, this is actually pretty chunky in terms of things that both Percy and McGonagall do. Ooh. So we'll start with Percy things. First off, he becomes head boy and is incredibly snooty about it. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't know that McGonagall would ever be in a situation where she could become head boy since she is a teacher at the school. But if she did, I don't think she would be nearly as snooty as Percy Weasley. Well, I think she was definitely head girl when she was at oh, school. Oh, totally. 100%. Ooh. Totally. So I feel like, yeah, she has the vibe. She'd, she'd kill it. And she'd be super proud of herself. Mm-hmm. She's an overachiever. She'd be, she'd be less vocal about it, though, wouldn't she, I reckon? She wouldn't be like, I'm head girl. <laughs> she'd be like, yeah. she'd be like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I have she a badge. Do, she does it all with her posture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. have to talk about it. Yeah, she would, just have, like, she would have the confidence she knows her roles, but doesn't yeah. necessarily yeah. go boasting about it at any chance. Mm. Doesn't constantly polish the badge and stand like this <laughs> in all instances when Percy's having a conversation, trying to reflect any light that comes in. <laughs> off of it. Next thing that Percy does, he does give, and this is a quote from the book, the least effective comforting of all time, by telling Harry that Hogsmeade's not that cool and you shouldn't be sad that you're not allowed to go. <laughs> Flip for McGonagall, I I feel like McGonagall loves Hogsmeade. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and respects the institution of it by not letting Harry go in without a proper permission slip. Exactly. And I feel she gets a lot of hate for that. I feel like we do have to remember there was like a murderer about. Like, I feel like she would have <laughs> let him, I feel like she would have let it go under the radar if there wasn't a murderer about. But yeah, I, I don't think McGonagall would have lied and said it was rubbish. It's not. No. It's not good comforting, really. But would Percy have actually enjoyed Hogsmeade? That's true. I don't think he would. No, I think he is well within his rights to not enjoy it, but I do think it's just completely him missing the yeah. connection of, yeah. like, Hogsmeade is perfect for someone like Harry Potter, yeah. who loves yeah. ice cream and goofs, but not Percy Weasley, who likes rules and Quidditch. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. So I don't know that that necessarily is the fit. Now, something that Percy does, he really does address the whole torn portrait for the fat lady situation quite well. When when Sirius like rips through the portrait and everything, yeah. he kind of like gets everybody in check. I feel like McGonagall would handle that pretty well. But on the other end of the coin or of the galleon, if you will, Percy does bet his girlfriend Penelope Clearwater ten galleons on the outcome of the Quidditch match between their houses, even though he doesn't have the money. Money. What was going on? <laughs> that's per- that's classic Percy, knowing, well, thinking he's right all the time. Like Percy would be so sure that he knew everything that he would do that mm-hmm. and fail at it. <laughs> he would. He wouldn't get it right. Bless him. But if we're imagining McGonagall in this situation, I know there is a long theory established by Binge Mode that like McGonagall has a financial vested interest in the Quidditch success of Gryffindor, <laughs> which is why she gets. It's why she gets Harry onto the team against tradition. So maybe betting on Quidditch matches, though, not necessarily out of the wheelhouse of McGonagall. 
I feel 100% she bets Loki on the Quidditch <laughs> yeah. matches, But she has such a problem with Ludo Bagman, though, in the fourth one, because he doesn't pay his debts. So I feel like she definitely, if she didn't have the money, she wouldn't be making it. Okay. She's a Lannister. Yeah, she's... Always pays her debts. <laughs> she's, she's betting on the matches, which she shouldn't be doing, but at least she's good for the money, yeah, so it's not exactly. as bad as Ludo Bagman. Yeah. yeah in, in one of the books, when I was reading over this in, in prep for this, when Gryffindor does win the Quidditch Cup, like, she cries tears of joy. So, like, maybe she wagered a lot of money <laughs> oh, yeah. on the match. Yeah. That's her entire retirement. She's like, oh, God. Like, yeah. Now I can retire in Turks and Caicos. Jeez. <laughs> Oh, my God. So next thing that Percy does is that he doesn't believe Ron when he says Sirius tried to attack me. I saw Sirius standing over me. Now, we don't have to imagine how McGonagall would act in this situation because three sentences later, McGonagall comes in and Ron goes, Sirius Black tried to attack me. And she goes, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's impossible. Yeah. So they clearly are on the same wavelength here, just thinking Ron Weasley is a big goofball. Yeah. <laughs> just making up wild stories. Actually, I think when people talk about scenes in the films that uh, got taken out, there's one, that one, uh, in the third film that people are like, oh, I'm really upset that that scene got taken out. But Loki, I'm glad, because that was some really bad... Oh, you nearly got stabbed. Just go back to bed, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> It's a bad look for McGonagall and the whole school that there was like, and even though we know Sirius is our friend who didn't actually kill people and got taken from us way too soon by an ominous veil, like, <laughs> even though we know he's innocent, on paper, mass murderer, and they were like, send the kids home? Nah. Like, what are we doing? In the scene, she's literally like, oh, okay, you nearly got stabbed. Luckily, no one didn't, but he's definitely coming back. <laughs> Go to sleep now, kids. <laughs> Like, it's so bad. Are you going to send the kids home? No. Will we have more hall monitors? Yes. So, like, that's the solution we needed. Patrolling the, the hallways. It was the same with the basilisk, though, wasn't it? They were yeah. all getting petrified left, right, and she's like, oh, I'm afraid if this carries on, we're going to have to send the students. Yeah, they're getting attacked, home. Like, <laughs> Petrified, send the kids home. Wow, if I was a parent, like I would have taken my kids out of like every year, would have been like, no, even like before stuff went down with the Tribes yeah. of Tournament, like my kid like writes a letter home, they're like, oh, we're doing this cool thing, it's called the Tribes of Tournament. Like they said people died before, but now they're bringing it back. I'd be like, Timmy, you're coming home right now, back to homeschool and get out of there. <laughs> oh, so the next thing that Percy does is, and this was, I was so proud of Percy Weasley. He commits himself because he doesn't like the ministry has let Sirius Black get out. He commits himself to fixing the police system. He commits himself to police reform if he ever finds his way into the Ministry of Magic. Anti-cop Percy Weasley? Let's go! Well, I, I am can't. so here for A-cap Percy Weasley. <laughs> but does he? No, but he commits himself to it. And well, that, that sounds very like a politician. <laughs> Think of several. <laughs> but like, we do never see him get old enough in the Ministry. Maybe he works yeah, his way true. up because he just has his bad like internship and then he's got his cauldron thickness and he's doing whatever Crouch does. Like, maybe he still does have the aspirations maybe. to get the oars in line. Maybe. But I like that he at least was upset with the, with the yeah. system. Yeah. McGonagall? good in there somewhere. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, Minerva's like a member of the Order of the Phoenix. So mm -hmm. she's all for, she's, she thinks the ministry's trash. I don't yeah. know. Like, she wasn't in it first, first gen. But, mm, she's got, mm, 
See, there's a lot, there's a lot I know about this show. <laughs> yeah, I feel like she's on, she's on Percy's wavelength. Yeah. She's down with it. They could have taken down the ministry together. I would watch it. Ooh, old buddy cop movie yeah. with McGonagall and Percy? <laughs> McGonagall's like, like Percy's the brains of the operation. She, Percy's like the guy in the chair and McGonagall's going in like doing spells and taking down. Yeah, I feel like he can be like men in black. You know, you've got the senior one, Percy joins. It would be great. Uh-huh. <laughs> in this world though, Percy Weasley would be played by Will Smith. We love So that's a different vibe. <laughs> that's, yeah. Though, though I do, if I do think of two actors that are similar, I do think Chris Rankin, Ooh. Will Smith. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's often said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Oscars, they're like, why did Chris Rankin slap Chris Rock in the face? That was, that was Battle so Battle of the Chris's. Damn. <laughs> He's usually so nice. <laughs> so final thing that Percy does on brand, gets top marks in his newts at the end of book three. I feel like McGonagall in her schooling days probably was top of her class. So yeah. this feels She got brand. Transfiguration Today's Most Promising Newcomer Awards. Ooh. Look at her go. All right. Speaking of looking at her go, the things McGonagall does in book three. Whoa, okay there, Past Mike. Let's take a little bit of a break before we continue. Got to take a little break here to talk about some fun stuff in Wingardium at Ridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Bombas. Now, you will hear me do an extended ad read for Bombas when we get into the, oh, you're going to hear some ads from me and some ads that are inserted. So I won't go too much into detail, but the TLDR is you can get 20% off your first purchase if you go to bombas.com slash Potterless and use code Potterless at checkout. So you will hear that in a second. Before we cut to those ads, I just want to say, if you go to the Potterless YouTube account, I should be posting a video there soon from tour stuff that we did in the past, some shows that I did with Johnny that were super fun and goofy. And there are already a whole bunch of videos up on the Potterless YouTube account. I believe it's just youtube.com slash at Potterless or just search Potterless on YouTube and you'll find us. But I've posted things from tours in the past and I'm going to continue to get through the backlog of videos that I have from Potterless live shows. But now I will cut to those ads. Some of them will be read by me, such as that Bombas ad, unless you're listening to this far into the future after the ad has run its course. And others of them won't be read by me. Those are inserted locally. So if you live abroad, it might be in your country's native language. But once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the market marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club 
is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are. So it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want. And then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me. And then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get right 10% you can off get, your first purchase right now, by going to arenaclub.com slash Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. That's a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyway, whether you're a sports nerd or Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Things McGonagall does in book three. She comforts Harry Potter after his run-in with Dementors. She brings in her potential girlfriend, Madame Pomfrey, uh, to check in on him, make sure that he's okay. I don't know Percy in a comforting role would be the best. No. Yeah. No. He'd be like, are you all right? Cool. (laughs) I feel like Percy would have just shouted at him for being there. (laughs) <laughs> That's also true. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow it's Harry's fault that the Dementors attacked him yeah. on the train. Like, well, you were put you everybody else in danger. You knew they were coming for you. <laughs> Couldn't have come in the flying car on your... No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I feel like it would be one of those things where he like tries to logic his way through an emotional issue, yeah. which I have to like keep myself in line sometimes when like I'm trying to like comfort my wife and I like try to do the, the man thing where I'm like, I'm going to fix everything. And it's like, sometimes I just want to hug and to say, I'm sorry that happened. But like, I feel like he would be like, let's try to logically solve the yes. dementors. Be like, there's no logical way. Yeah. It made me relive my worst memories. And now if I eat chocolate, I'm better. So... <laughs> I don't know how he would handle that. Another thing, and this, I I couldn't think of a thing farther away for Percy to do. McGonagall arranges for Hermione to use a time turner in order to take more classes. There's no way Percy's doing that. Nope, no way. As much as Percy has a dedication towards education, I don't know that it would go... cheating, that's cheating. Oh, it is cheating. It goes against one of his two loves, rules. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be so angry... I'm sorry, you... Percy would be so angry because he didn't legally, get given legally one. obliged to say that I am not actually Percy Weasley. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like Percy would be genuinely angry. Like he'd see that on the the script to be like, "Well, where was mine? Yeah, oh, no one yeah. gave me a time turner." That's a, Percy would of of the people. At least this is an American concern that people are wondering about, where they might like get rid of student debt, which like they should do. Mm. And people are like, "Oh, well, I already paid off my student debt." Like. How does this not help me? Like, that would totally be Percy. Like, yes, same kind of thing of like, well, I didn't get yeah. to use a time turner to take 10 classes. Yeah. Yeah, no, but he, he, but even if he was offered it in principle, he wouldn't take it. Oh, He'd be he... like, no, 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 I, I'm going to pass all of these classes and I'm going to do it all on my own. <laughs> and literally just drive himself into the ground with it. Yeah. Yeah. Rather Where's than accept Percy? help. He's dead. <laughs> he just didn't eat. <laughs> 
Another thing that this would open a different door of an hour-long discussion is like, remember when there was a scheduling mishap at Hogwarts and the solution was, let's use a time turner on Hermione Granger, a preteen girl? Like, ah, uh, what do we do? Move the schedule around? No. Use highly regulated ministry technology? Yeah, yeah that'll do it. She'll be fine. She's 14, 13. Like, yeah. I like you feel like Professor McGonagall just has one handy though, because I feel like she must have one and she just uses it because, I mean, she turns up in Fantastic Beasts when she's not even born yet. Oh, and, God. Uh, <laughs> and, um, but yeah, like she has so many things to do. She's probably like, yeah, of course, extra time. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> so next thing McGonagall does in book three, she assures the squad, our lovely trio, that Trelawney predicts a death every single year, so Harry, don't be upset that she has predicted your death. And it's something that, like, I get that in this book especially, there's multiple instances of McGonagall thinking that Trelawney is ridiculous. But Trelawney predicting a student dying every year, a student dies basically every year. So, yeah. like... Trelawney seems perfectly normal to understand that Hogwarts <laughs> is an incredibly dangerous institution. I I feel like Loki, maybe Trelawney, made a prediction that McGonagall has a betting addiction or something. And yeah. so Loki, oh, she's discredit. like, it's, she's so far in the denial. She's like, no, <laughs> they're not real. <laughs> she's got to undermine her at any and chance. As the bodies rack up, no one dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. Again, this this feels like a, a not comforting situation that if they came to Percy saying, oh, Trelawney predicted that Harry's going to die, he'd be like, well, she's the divination professor, so probably going to happen. Sorry, Harry. <laughs> but also Harry. he would think divination was absolute rubbish. Oh, he'd be on the Hermione track of this. It is would a, absolutely a, not. Yeah. Okay. But I also feel like in that scene, I remember that one well from the very first time I read it, because McGonagall gets upset. The reason she finds out that that happened is she gets upset, no one claps her transformation from cat to human. Oh. And I feel like that's very Percy. He'll be like, why aren't you clapping yeah. me? <laughs> like, what's going on? You're supposed uh, to teach oh. this, this <laughs> is your job. Weird that she was waiting for applause because she had been doing that trick for like every I round know. of students yeah. for decades. Yeah. Everyone's seen you do it now, it's old news. Like, calm down. <laughs> we get it, you're a cat, very cool, <laughs> fine, do something else. That's literally all she can do. Mm. Yeah. yeah, a one trick cat, yeah. that's yeah. all she does. <laughs> so another thing feels right in Percy Weasley's wheelhouse. McGonagall does not let Harry into Hogsmeade. Again, Percy loves rules, yep. totally yep. fine, that's all good, but on the flip side, McGonagall does let Harry play Quidditch despite the threat of Sirius Black because there is a time when Sirius is on the prowl and McGonagall thinks like, ah, oh, Harry, you probably shouldn't play Quidditch. And Harry's like, but I really like Quidditch and I'm good. And she's like, ah, good point. Hmm. Maybe we'll just have Madame Hooch stay for all the practices. And that's the solution. <laughs> like, ah, murder, but we could win the Quidditch Cup. Ugh. She's clearly got money on the game. Yeah. Just, okay. just want to win. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know that Percy would be okay with that. I feel like he would be more aligned with trying to keep Harry safe from Sirius Black, which, you know, good, good on Percy. Percy would have sent everybody home at this point. Percy True. Would, like, Harry would have been expelled. The school would be empty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now here's something interesting. When McGonagall's with all of the teachers and the three broomsticks and or, or in Hogsmeade and they're talking and Harry overhears the whole story about Sirius, you see what everybody orders. You, you get all of their drink orders. McGonagall orders a small gilly water, which I imagine is just like 
a vodka neat or something, like the wizarding equivalent of that. So this opens the question, what is Percy Weasley, of course, when he gets of age and is legal, what would be Percy Weasley's alcoholic beverage cocktail of choice? <laughs> oh, it would be something really beige, wouldn't it? <laughs> or would it be something that, like, what I have done in the past, which is like get an old fashioned and act like you like it to look yes. cool and gentlemanly, yeah. but yeah. every sip you're like, this yeah. tastes that, like butt. I hate this actually, so much. Yeah. <laughs> or he'd go completely the other way and not, not knowing anything about it because that's, you know, pop culture and sure. cool and he, he, he would panic and order the most elaborate thing on the menu <laughs> and be sat there with like a daiquiri with friggin' palms right. coming out of it and mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's got bendy straws. Yeah, like flamingo. Yeah, like pink <laughs> through purple and sparkles. The bartender's so yeah. upset because it's one of the really hard ones. I remember one time I went to a bar and I had never, ha I didn't know what a mojito was. I just knew that it was like a cool drink. I was like 22 uh, and it was on the menu and I was like, oh cool, I'll get one of those. And it's a drink, you have to like muddle the mint and it takes like a lot of work for the bartender to make. And I remember ordering my first one and the bartender just like rolled their eyes at me and turned around. I was like, oh no, I'm so sorry. No worries if not. I can order something else. I'll just have tap water. Like, I felt so bad. But I could yeah. see personally not knowing and getting, like, a frozen cocktail that's super elaborate. I feel bad now because we went for dinner last night. Five of us went for dinner last night and we all ordered mojitos. No, no. We did. <laughs> yeah, I had a mango one. Just have? a normal one because yeah. I'm really boring. Just the forearm on your bartender is <laughs> bulging from muddling bushels of mint for this table. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing that McGonagall does, I don't know that this is in Percy's wheelhouse, she sasses Trelawney when Trelawney really doesn't want to sit at the table because she's made the prediction that like, if a certain amount of people sit at the table, this bad thing's gonna happen. And McGonagall's like, all right, look, we'll take the risk, it's no big deal. I don't know how Percy would be with like pushing back with Trelawney. I feel like he would just kind of defer, respect your elders. And like if Trelawney was yeah. like, I can't sit at the table, he'd be like, well, obviously, of course not. But I think, I don't think, yeah, he would, yeah, he wouldn't, he'd, be, he'd defer to an older, but he also, I am convinced, would think that divination and any kind of paranormal which uh, that sounds ridiculous because he's at literal, literal <laughs> wizard. <laughs> oh, any sort of magic-based course. Oh. Yeah, stupid. <laughs> but like he wouldn't be the into all logical. that kind of airy fairy magic. Do you know what I mean? Like divination is probably like he'd be very much mm -hmm. you do a spell and a result comes from that. Sure, sure. None of this kind of interpretive right. stuff. But at the same time, you know he would still be very studious and like want to get a 120 yeah. Oh yeah, totally. any exam. Yeah. yeah like, totally. He would hate and he, it. that's one reason he'd hate divination is because you can't there's no kind of chart for tea yeah. leech. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. Well there is a chart. You know what I mean? but, See, weirdly I can't believe I'm saying this, but I feel Percy's pain. Like I'm sympathizing, I feel similarity because I remember I didn't like my English classes and stuff because I, I was very math and science, I studied engineering and everything, but like in high school when I would take English classes, if I, I remember one time like writing a really long essay about 1984 and then getting it back and then my teacher just wrote like 94 on it, but there were no like marks of why I lost the six points. And I remember asking my teacher like, why did I lose six points? And he was like, oh, it was good, but it just like wasn't a 100. I was like, I need bullet points yes. of like what I did wrong. Like, there are six points that I lost. What contributed to them? And I, I never recovered. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah, now, now, my job, okay? now my job is reading comprehension. <laughs> <laughs> so. I also kind of feel like it's a good job. I feel like 
Percy's sassy burns wouldn't be as good. Like, yeah. I feel like he'd try for the sassy burns. Ooh. 100%. Mm-hmm. I just feel like Percy's I think sassy burns, burns, burns might don't... be his drag name as well. Ooh, <laughs> sassy, sassy burns. Yeah. It'd be fun to have the some nice side burns. Yeah. That could be really good. <laughs> sassy burns. Yeah. <laughs> I'd watch it. I could see it. Like what song would he lip sync perform to if he was sassy burns? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was, again, something like Stevie Nicks or something. Ooh, like, that'd be good. Yeah, 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 that'd be very fun. Another thing that McGonagall does, Percy would love this, she confiscates the firebolt when it comes yes, in absolutely. and does not let Harry have it yeah. for a very long time. He'd be all about this. He would, but I think he'd secretly be trying to have a go on the firebolt. Oh. <laughs> I think he'd secretly take it home. Yeah, like J. Jonah Jameson trying on the Spider-Man outfit. Yeah. In the Spider-Man movies of Tobey Maguire, he would be like, after hours, check that all the doors are closed, pull down yeah. all the blinds. and. I feel like next morning he comes in like, yeah, he's got a like big he's bruise got the thing. What happened to you? Nothing. Uh, I dropped the textbook on it. <laughs> <laughs> now, something that McGonagall does, and this is a direct quote from Oliver Wood, is that McGonagall gets shirty with Wood about trying to let Harry use the firebolt. I am not British. What does it mean to get shirty with? Is that like sassy, snarky? Yeah, a bit. Is that, you're I was going to say a bit flappy, but mm. I had to explain flappy to somebody this morning. So yeah. uh, <laughs> it's just when you're short, you really you're shutting them down yeah. because it's okay. just yeah. it, it's not up for discussion. Got it. Mm. But also slightly unnecessarily so, isn't yeah. it? It's like, hmm, okay. Yeah, like a little harsh, but like, oh, yeah. all right, fine, we won't use like the fireball. I feel low-key that's because she wants to let him use the fireball because she wants to win the Quidditch. <laughs> so it's also breaking her heart. She's say. angry about this situation and taking it out on poor sweet Oliver Wood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Now, final thing, which I think is interesting. This does count as McGonagall showing up. McGonagall is Hermione's Bogart in the Lupin final when you have to go through all of the things and Hermione sees McGonagall saying that she's failed the exam. So I don't know, what, like, if Percy was going to be anyone's Bogart, would he be, and like, would he be Fred and George's Bogart? But they're not scared of him. <laughs> in what world is Percy anyone's Bogart? Probably Penelope Clearwater. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's just why was it? Why were they in the dungeons? Like, why were they down? I also would imagine like it's not him saying anything mean. It's just like him suggesting a very long thing. Like, oh, I've I've gotten us tickets to like the director's cut of every Lord of the Rings movie. We're gonna watch nine hours of film together, Penelope. She's like, ah, no, nine uninterrupted hours with Percy. Oh, poor Percy. Oh, poor Percy. So let's get into book four. Percy Weasley's shining moment when he's the assistant to Barty Crouch Sr. and everything yes. goes very well and now this smoothly. Is, this is the film they cut Percy from. So my Goblet of Fire knowledge is a lot less than it should be. It is truly... Uh, <laughs> I, and I get it. And I was just talking to Stan, who played Victor Crumb earlier, that I didn't realize that there were talks of making the fourth book into two, two movies, yeah. which would have made way more sense because they cut so much. Yeah. You don't actually see the World Cup match. They never go to a class ever. <laughs> there is no school at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. And then, yeah, they, they cut out like big characters, yeah. like Ludo Bagman, a very important character yeah. that certainly should have been in the films. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, woo! And then Percy, because like, he is in this book a lot. He's a it's major a big, player. Yeah, it's a big part for him. Right. Meh. Meh. Decisions. 
kicked him to the curb. Anyway, <laughs> let's go over what Percy did and what you should have been doing in the movie. Percy gets upset with Harry for making too much noise and distracting him from his Ministry of Magic work about cauldron thickness. Now, I do feel like if Harry was making a lot of noise and McGonagall was just trying to do something in a room, she would also get upset at Harry Potter for yeah, making noise. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's not even a question. Yeah. <laughs> this does lead me to something that I read on a Harry Potter subreddit recently, which is someone like indirectly said that you could blame Percy Weasley for Voldemort returning because since he was such a stickler about cauldron thickness, that means the cauldron that Pettigrew used to bring Voldemort back, if they hadn't been up to code, maybe it would have broken and Voldemort never would have come back. So, are you responsible? Like, is Percy responsible for all of this? Who's this I mean, it might explain why he comes back through the portrait at the end. Yeah, yeah. He feels overwhelming guilt for the return of Voldemort. Yeah, that's, that's, I love that. Oh, but yeah, just yelling at Harry for making noise, McGonagall, 100%. well suited. Is there something, if McGonagall was hanging out at the, at the Weasley Burrow house, what, would she be doing anything particular? Like, would she be up there reading? Would she be up there crocheting? I feel like McGonagall is either crocheting, like marking papers or pacing. I feel like those are just uh, three states. Just muttering about how Dumbledore makes her job so hard. She's just trying to pace in peace and he's just being so loud. If I was in charge of this school, it'd be a much tighter ship. So another thing that Percy does, obviously joins the Weasley family at the World Cup. What if McGonagall was hanging out with the Weasleys at the Quidditch World Cup? Oh my God, I feel like she'd be mental at the World Cup. Because... Yeah. I don't know if anyone else is noting this. Professor McGonagall wears more makeup to the Quidditch matches in the films than she does for the rest of it. Oh. I feel like at the Quidditch World Cup, she'd be going full out like she's proper. She takes the Quidditch seriously, doesn't she? Yeah, she'd be placing bets left and right. Yeah. She'd probably get into a fist fight with Ludo Bagman. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I feel like she, she's wild. Proper. Her, her and the Weasley twins would be out doing all sorts of dodgy betting, wouldn't they? Oh, I, yeah. I feel like she loves the twins so much as well. And because it's outside yeah. of school, it's just fine. They could have some, yeah, they'd be I, having I a great I would fun love a rewrite of the, of the fourth book where like, McGonagall finds out that Ludo Bagman hasn't paid for it because they have the things where they keep like writing him letters and they're and they're making a big deal. I would love like McGonagall hunting down Ludo Bagman to be like, these two students bet you money fair and square like I do. <laughs> like <laughs> she would have been so upset. Yeah, she is fine hundred. with betting, but you gotta have the funds. Yeah, exactly. You can't be making bets if you can't settle them. Yep. Basic rules. Can't yep. write a check that your tush can't cash. So other thing that that Percy does, he does get called Weatherby quite a bit by his boss, and he just takes it. I yeah. don't know that McGonagall, if someone had called her like McGinnis or something, <laughs> I don't know that she would just be like, yep, sure. I feel like she would immediately be like, that's not my name, Barty. <laughs> <laughs> she would read Barty to filth and then steal his job, and then now you know my name. <laughs> Finds a way to get him fired, and then gets like in his letter where he gets fired. They don't write Barty Crouch. They like, you know, it's Barty like bend over or whatever, like a synonym for Crouch, like yeah. Barty yeah. squat, like ah. hundred percent. He would know her name because he would be walking past his own office as they unscrew his nameplate and put hers on top of it, like. <laughs> 
I like that we're just in our head canon. McGonagall is just the most vengeful person of all time. I feel like she is. She has no microwaves in her house because revenge is a dish best served cold. (laughs) So another thing that Percy does, he supports Barty Crouch's decision to blame Winky for the dark mark thing. Don't know that McGonagall would be okay with this. Feel like McGonagall probably has good rapport with the house elves. I don't know. I feel like she didn't notice when Dobby died. (laughs) (laughs) I've had long thoughts about that. (laughs) But yeah, no, I feel like I feel like that's not in a she's very, you know, about honor and stuff, so I feel like she wouldn't. She's at least enough about process to try to like not throw the blame around immediately. Like let's try to figure out what's going on. Now, another thing that Percy does is he attends the Triwizard Tournament throughout. He's there, he fills in when Crouch isn't there. Mm. And McGonagall, I think this, this would be in her, in her wheelhouse as well because she does actually do a lot. She's basically like the liaison to the champions. She's yeah. always moving around. So I think she'd be very comfortable at the Triwizard Tournament. I do feel like she would be a harsh judge though. I feel like she would find all the different ways like the whole stereotypical thing like, oh, and a 2.5 from the Russian judge or whatever. <laughs> I feel like she'd be the one where it'd be like, eight, eight, 10. She'd be like, negative six. Oh, 100%, <laughs> definitely. And, like, stop it. Oh, I don't know. I was going to say, like, stopping Dumbledore doing his whole, like, just dishing out loads of points, but she didn't mind in the first one where he... Well, I mean, it's going to Gryffindor, which she's yeah. probably bet money on, if so, it, like... <laughs> if it's for Harry, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I think she'd love that. She'd love... Although, maybe she'd be boycotting a little bit because she doesn't want Harry to be in it. Right. She does, and we'll get to that when we get to the McGonagall stuff. She, like, is anti the whole, Mm, you know, letting Harry be in it situation. Now, something that I don't know that McGonagall would do as well, this is a prop for Percy, when Ron is rescued by Harry in the second task, Percy, like, rushes over, makes sure Ron is okay, tries to get him back to health. I feel like McGonagall to Ron, maybe not to other people, but to Ron, she would just be like, get up, Weasley. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, don't milk it. (laughs) And I feel like if she tried any, like, Ron would just be freaked out by that whole situation. I don't think Ron is wanting to be comforted by Professor McGonagall at all. (laughs) I feel like if Ron, it would be one of those, like, classic awkward scenes where, like, if Ron and McGonagall were ever, like, left together in a room and they had to talk, they would just be like... So, uh, teach any good transfiguration classes lately? Uh, I feel like maybe, like, once a year, they just meet up, play a game of chess, and they don't they speak They speak no whole- words. Just, that's it. And yeah. then one will win, and then they... Like, <laughs> it would just be like, mm, checkmate, well played, and then they just leave. <laughs> that's, that's the only interaction they ever have. <laughs> they shake hands at the start, they shake hands at the end. That was great, great fun, see you next year. <laughs> A thing, though, that Percy does, he writes a very snarky letter to Ron Weasley about Crouch's whereabouts when Ron is initially suspicious of Barty Crouch Sr. and all of that. He writes this whole thing of, like, Mr. Crouch is taking a well-deserved rest. I feel like instead McGonagall would probably be like, yeah, Crouch is being very strange. Like, she would be more in on it, I feel. That's kind of sussy, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think... Mm, yeah, no, I think that's a Percy yeah. thing. That's not a, that's not a McGonagall thing. Yeah. Final thing that Percy does, he is brought in for questioning after Barty Crouch Jr. is found guilty and everything. They they go in, or, and Barty Crouch Sr. and all of that, they bring Percy in for questioning. I feel like if McGonagall was ever in an interrogation room, she would take command of the entire situation, and she would be the one asking the questions, <laughs> and it would end up with, like, the aura is arrested. <laughs> Can you imagine Maggie Smith in that situation? She just raised an eyebrow, and everyone just died. Like, <laughs> they were not. They bring in the Veritaserum and then somehow, like, they end up ingesting it. Like, I don't know. 
Oh, I wish. <laughs> I wish we could see that. That sounds great. I think she'd be fine. All right, now we will flip to the things that McGonagall doesn't book for. This is all that we will have time for. Tune in next year when we do this again and we do books five through seven. Um, but McGonagall in book four, first thing she does, tells Professor Moody, hey, you can't turn students into ferrets. I think Percy would be on brand. He would, yes. He would yeah. think that's entirely sensible. Mm -hmm. No ferrets. Even though he's not the biggest fan of Malfoy, he does have instances yeah. where he stands up to Malfoy. Again, I feel like this yeah. is the thing where rules would take precedence over not liking Draco. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In that instance, though, how would Moody react to that? I feel like Moody would not have taken it as well coming from Percy. <laughs> no, and the, and it's not just Moody. It's Barty Crouch Jr. method yeah. acting, Daniel Day-Lewis style, to be <laughs> Professor Moody. But, like, if it is Barty Crouch Jr., would he have just, like, murdered Percy? Like, would he have just been like, hey, kid, I'm on a good Like, <laughs> just bye. <laughs> Axes him right off the bat. Oh now, here's something, a really great thing that McGonagall does that I don't know how Percy would feel. McGonagall's the only rational person when Harry is, when his name, you know, gets put in the Goblet of Fire and Dumbledore very calmly asks him if he puts his name in there. <laughs> she's like, first off, because Dumbledore's like, oh, did I do something wrong? Because Maxime accuses him. And she's like, Dumbledore, no, you didn't make it as a mistake. You're Dumbledore. And then when some people are accusing Harry of cheating, it's like, Harry wouldn't cheat. Again, stickler for rule situation, I feel like Percy would be okay. Would he be okay, like, pushing back, though, against Madame Maxime and Karkarov and all these other, and no, Snape. No, no, he would absolutely bow to authority and go, oh, well, yes, you... Expelled! <laughs> yeah, and he, I feel like he would be very much okay with Harry being in the Travers of Turnip because he'd be like, well, rules are rules, and the yeah. cup says yeah. any name that comes out, and clearly we have to trust a cup. I, why did, it was a cup! Like, yeah. just say, <laughs> no, Harry's not old enough. Uh, they're like, oh, well, the cup said it. Harry's got to die. <laughs> Does the cup do anything else? Does it just come it's out? It's a cup. And also, what's to just stop Harry just standing by the side and being like, okay, I'm forfeit. <laughs> That's it. Like, he could turn up. He just he doesn't have to participate. Right. He could just yeah. be like, oh, the dragon, I'm going to leave disqualified. Thank you very much. Yeah. I would prefer not death. Nah, but he's Harry. He wants the glory. Mm-hmm. He can't turn that down. Now, another thing that McGonagall does, she explains to everyone how the Yule Ball works, including explaining to Harry that he needs to get a date. Oh my God. Not feeling like the strong suit of Percy Weasley. Don't know that he ever attended a school dance, ever. No. <laughs> no, dancing is something you must do at least two meters apart and only after marriage. <laughs> like, yeah, like Percy would be... He'd be Colin Firth in, like, Sense and Sensibility. Kind of, do you know what I mean? It'd be very much... Like, but, oh, no. no I, that would be fun die. to see everyone in the school, like, doing regular slow dance things, and then they're doing the things that you see in Bridgerton, where they're, like, you know, yeah. dancing around yeah, yeah, in the circle, exactly. like, doing the a pride prejudice dances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be pretty good. He would know all of them, for sure. Mm. <laughs> oh, he would. He would, absolutely. Uh, he could probably play them on a flute as well. Ooh, or, uh, like, a harp, something, yeah. like, big and obnoxious. <laughs> I feel like he could do that. Also, thing that McGonagall does is that she lets Harry use the empty Transfiguration classroom when she's not teaching in them so that Harry, Ron, and Hermione can practice those spells before task three. Don't know how Percy would feel about using a classroom not for teaching purposes. Yeah, I think that, that would be definitely considered cheating in his book and giving unfair advantage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. He wouldn't be happy about it in them being in the prefect's bathroom either. Like, <laughs> mm, yeah, it's like, you're not a prefect. Yep. Come on. 
all of these lotions and potions and bubble yeah. baths are for us I only. <laughs> you didn't earn the potions. <laughs> you don't deserve to smell like lavender. Ugh, this is my hibiscus aloe. Now, final thing that we will discuss is something that I could never see Percy Weasley doing, so this is a very fitting ending. McGonagall chews out Fudge, the Minister of Magic, for bringing in a personal Dementor bodyguard into the school and also not believing that Voldemort is behind all of this. He, Fudge is like, oh no, surely everything's okay. McGonagall's like, no, like she does not take it at all. Percy Weasley standing up to the president? No, no way. Chums. No chance. No, no, no. No. It's, this is a straight no. Nope. And that clock has exactly hit zero, meaning it's time, and we have done this perfectly. Oh Thank you all so God. much for attending. Give it up for our lovely guests, giving us wonderful insight. Thanks all for coming out. Hopefully you enjoy. Thanks, no, no problem Thank at all. You. Thank you for going along with the ride. And hopefully everyone has a lovely leaky con. We're all doing stuff throughout. So come yeah. to the stuff we're doing and have a fun time. And That's I guess, it. oh, sh I got to do the thing. Um, as they definitely say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter all of the time, you know it, you love it. They said it's the classic catchphrase from all of the books. <gasps> Wizard on! Thanks so much for coming, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Potterless. Potterless was created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert. And it was made possible by people who supported the show over the years on Patreon and you just by listening to it. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you so much for continuing to be subscribed wherever you listen to your podcasts. I do appreciate it. I am going to try to continue and post things a bit more frequently from live show stuff. Thanks also to all the folks who re-listen to old episodes. It's very cool. I'm recording this little blip on November 30th, 2023. Spotify Wrapped Day was yesterday, and I still got so many notifications from people saying that Potterless was one of their top podcasts, even though we only posted a handful of episodes this year. So that's really cool. I know people listen to the show either as background noise or to help them fall asleep, and that's great. So thank you if you are one of those folks. But also if you just listen to the new stuff when it comes through, thank you. We're still on social media. I still post some fun stuff from time to time. You can follow us on Instagram. Potterless Podcast, Twitter, Potterless Pod. Also, it's good to follow us there because when I announce live show things, if I'm coming to a city near you, you will make sure that you don't miss out on the fun stuff that we've got. As a reminder, you can go to patreon.com slash Potterless and you can get access to all the other stuff that we've ever posted on the Patreon for just four bucks. That's pretty cool. And if you want to keep up to date with me and what I'm doing, you can go to my personal website, shubes, S-C-H-U-B dot E-S. You can follow me on social media at shubes17, S-C-H-U-B. BES17 on Twitter and Instagram. You can listen to my other podcasts, such as The New Olympian, my Percy Jackson podcast. You can listen to Meddling Adults. We just completed season four, and that is a game show for charity where I host and guests compete to solve children's mysteries, such as Scooby-Doo Mysteries and Encyclopedia Brown Mysteries for charity. There's also Horse, comedic basketball podcast where we teach you how to follow basketball as a fan. And there's Modern Muckraker, a comedic scripted show that I made that was really fun. So all of those, you can just search for their names or you can learn more about them on my website that I mentioned earlier chub.es. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a great holiday season. I hope you have a great end to the year. And I'm going to continue to post stuff. There's still so many live show audios that I have from all of the shows that we've done. We're going to be posting things for a while, so don't worry. And until you hear me again from me posting something else to the feed, as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Wizard on!